Thank you for tuning in to the Highest Praise Sunday Sermon. For more information about Highest Praise Church, upcoming events, and other helpful resources, please visit highestpraisechurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Sherwood Lancaster. Well, today is the, uh, is the last in my series. We'll be working on all year long concerning end-time events, preparation, getting prepared. Next week, we're going to start getting you ready uh, for baptism, for our baptism, and teaching you about what baptism is about, teaching about what water baptism is, and uh, so we know what it is that we're doing. We don't do it just because we follow some people um, in a tank of water. We're doing it because we know what the Bible teaches us. So we'll be doing that in the next couple of weeks. But today, we're going to talk about the new heaven and the new earth. How many believe that God has a new heaven and a new earth for us? Amen. Well, I'm going to teach you some things. So I want you to turn to um, the book of Revelation. Let's go to Revelation 21. Revelation 21 and verse number 3. Revelation 21 and verse 3. Um, and then after we go there, we're going to go to 2 Peter. Uh, 2 Peter chapter number 3. And uh, we're going to deal with some stuff there. So I'm going to try to teach you some things. And so I hope you um, brought your Bible. If you don't, we'll have the scriptures up here. But I'm going to go to Revelation 21 and verse 5. I love this because this is God talking. Because it says in Revelation 21 and 5, it says, Then he who sits on the throne. Who's it that sits on the throne? Yeah, God's, well, Jesus sits on the throne, but here's God. Here's the whole thing about the book of Revelation. Whenever someone's talking, it's either John, it's either God the Father, or it's Jesus himself. And Jesus does a lot of talking here. Obviously, if you, obviously in our Bibles now have it, have it in red, we see the words of Jesus, which is completely amazing. But this is God. This is God the Father. This is the Father speaking here. And so Revelation 21 and 5 says, Then he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. All things new. And then he said to me, Write, for these words, they're true and they're faithful. They're true and they're faithful. Now, I want to stop here and teach you something. Whenever you see something that says that the words that we write can believe that are, that are true and are faithful, he's not talking about a bunch of innocent people. He's talking about a bunch of redeemed people. How many knows that you're not innocent this morning? Being a born-again believer, child of God, on your way to heaven, you're not innocent. You're redeemed. <laughs> you're guilty as charged. You deserve hell, and you deserve to go right straight there. and Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Don't do anything. Just go right straight in there. But guess what? You've been redeemed. Why have you been redeemed? How do you know you've been redeemed? Because God's word is true. And if God's rule is true, only to the redeemed is God's word true. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I was heading to hell, but now I'm heading to heaven. I was heading to eternal death, but now I'm heading to eternal life. Because God's word is true, and I'm faithful to his true word. Only the redeemed is faithful. The world is not faithful. But the world don't believe, the world don't believe that God's word is true. But to the redeemed, God's word is true. And so we can be faithful to the truth. Amen? And so in the truth here, he says, behold, I make all things new. That means he's going to make things new. So let's learn, let's teach about that a little bit and see what the Bible says about the new things. And so we're going to turn to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter number 3. 2 Peter chapter number 3. We're going to unpack some stuff today. And 2 Peter chapter number 3, I guess I will start out with verse number, oh, let's go with verse number 7. Verse number 7. And here's what the Bible says. Now, let me teach you something about Peter. First, first Peter, uh, Peter is dealing with the Jews here because they're, he's teaching them because they're getting a lot of tax from the outside. They're getting a lot of 
uh, just a lot of condemnation is coming from the outside. How many know that the body of Christ right now is getting a lot of attacks from the outside? Well, you ain't, you, okay, everybody that's saved right now, you know that you're getting a lot of attacks from the outside. Um, and the, the body of Christ, the local church, everything about the kingdom of God right now is getting attacked from the outside. And so first, Peter deals with that. Second, Peter deals with the attacks that's going on on the inside. The only thing worse than the church being attacked from the outside is the church being attacked from the inside. Okay? And so these are attacks going on on the inside. These are, these are false teachers, false prophets. These are people, you know, that just, just saying things how they think they want it to be and, you know, and, and, and not speaking the truth. Not the, the, little, the weak need church, the ones that are afraid that they're going to offend some people, that are afraid they might lose their, their following or, or lose some likes on their social media if they, if they stand up for what is right. And so these are attacking. Anybody who stands up and speaks the truth, they condemn them. And so this is what he's dealing with here. And so now, and so, so we're in Second Peter. So these, these Jews was dealing with was the, the Jews that was believers in Christ, the Messianic here that believe in Christ, they were getting attacked from the inside. And so here the Bible says in, in verse 7, but the heavens and the earth which are now, he's talking about right now, everything it is right now is preserved by the same word. Well, the word of God that we, we read in, the, uh, in, in all of Second Peter is preserved by the same word, but are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition, that is destruction of ungodly men. So in other words, this world, the way it is right now, is going to be the way it is until God destroys all the ungodly through fire. Well, that's good news, isn't it? All right, verse 8. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. There are several different ways you can teach this, but, but right here, have you, ever had, have you ever seen like that what God could do in one day, he decides to take a thousand years to do? And have you ever experienced God in a way that you thought, man, it would take God a thousand years to do this, but he does it in one day? Because he's God. He can do that. He can wait a thousand years to do something, or he can wait one day what would take a thousand years to do it, because he's God. And so the Lord in verse 9, it says, the Lord is not slack, Concerning his promises. How many glad that God is not slack what we are? How many glad that, he, that he's, he's not a slack God, that he's a God that's always on time? And so the Bible says here, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness. But he's long-suffering towards us. Hallelujah. Everybody calm down. That's where you missed a good shot just to run and just take off and just act, and just act crazy towards the things of God. Why? Because he's long-suffering. Well, maybe you don't understand what the word long-suffering is. The word long-suffering means he has extraordinary patience. How many thankful today that God has extraordinary patience as far as you're concerned? Huh? How many know that he just didn't pull the trigger the first time he should have pulled the trigger on you? But he says, you know what? I've got, I don't just have patience. He has extraordinary patience towards me. I'm so thankful. If you can't thank God for nothing else, if you can't praise God for anything else, 
If you can't worship him for anything else, you always ought to get up every morning and say, God, I just thank you for being patient with me. I thank you, God, for, come on, somebody, who for working with me, God, for, for just walking me through this thing right now because nobody else in my family, nobody else even in my church has the patience and, the, and is long-suffering as you are with me, God. But I thank you, Lord, that you're extraordinarily patient with me. Oh, hallelujah. He is long-suffering today. And so here the Bible says that God, why is he long-suffering towards us? Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's always waiting for that one, because there's always one more. Why is God waiting? Why is God being so patient? Why is God being long-suffering? Because there's always one more. Just when somebody gets saved and a big revival breaks out and we see God moving in a powerful way and we say, well, Jesus is going to come back now, but he's long-suffering because he says, but there's one more. And then there's one more. And then another one gets saved, but there's one more. But there's one more. We say, oh, Lord, come right now, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. And he says, but there's one more. But there's one more. You say, but I'm ready for him to come. Yeah, but one day you were that one more. I mean, stay for that. God was patient with you. He was long-suffering with you. Oh, God, come get us out of this old sinful world, Lord. But God says there's one more. Keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on believing what you're believing. Because I'm not slack. I'm going to come. But I'm long-suffering because I'm extraordinary patient. And those that you have given up on, God says, I'm willing to wait on and search for some of you. Because one day, you are that one more. How many knows the one more? How many knows a one more? Come on, church. If you don't want to dismiss you and tell you to go find one. One more. There's a reason why he's still doing what he's doing. Because it's not his will that any should perish, but all to come to repentance. All. What does all mean in the Greek? All. All. It's his desire. They're all. So now we get to verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come. It says it will come. What is the day of the Lord? Well, the day of the Lord is everything I've been teaching you. It's the time that starts right after the rapture of the church. When the church is taken away. When the dead in Christ arises. And those of us that are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That begins the day of the Lord. Because then the judgment, as I've taught you a couple weeks ago, to come upon this, this, this sin-loving world. A be, a be the judgment of God to come upon from a holy God upon a sin-loving world. And it starts the, starts the clock of the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord has begun. And the Bible says the day of the Lord will come. And it will come how? As a thief in the night. You won't know it. You might not only be looking for it. But some will be looking for it. But you still won't know the hour or the day. But it's going to come. And I've taught you that. And the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And when it does, the heavens will pass away with a great noise. Now let me stop here and tell you how long the day of the Lord is. The day of the Lord is not just a seven years. Because I've told you we don't know the next prophetic, prophetic event to take place on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. Nothing else needs to clear the way. We're just waiting. We're just waiting. And it's going to happen. And the Bible says it will come. And that starts it. But then we know when Jesus is coming back, because the rapture is not Jesus coming back, it's us going up. And then seven years after we go up, we're coming back. And you got the second coming. But that doesn't end this day of the Lord. Then it go into the millennium. I taught you that last week. You have a thousand years of reigning with God. The devil is taken 
and all his demonic imps, and they're thrown into the bottomless pit, the devil is, and the, the demons are thrown into the lake of fire. And that's where they'll be for a thousand years. But God's not going to change the earth. He's not going to change the heavens. He's just going to come down, send his son Jesus when he comes back, and he's going to come and he's going to set up his domain, his kingdom right here on earth. And we're going to live with him, and we're going to rule with him. We're going to reign with him. He's going to teach us how to act. He's going to teach us how to worship the Father. He's going to teach us all things because that's what he does right here. And that's going to go on for a thousand years. There's going to be no devil because it's going to be locked up. I taught you this last week. At the end of that thousand years, at the end of that thousand years, is going to be the end of the day of the Lord. And this is what he's talking about. And at the end of the thousand years or the end of the day of the Lord, the heavens will pass away. The heavens will pass away. Now, I want to deal with this word right here. It says, pass away with a great noise. Because that word pass away right there does not mean what a lot of the doomsday-ers believe it means or false doctrines believe it means. And remember, Peter is dealing with false doctrine or attacks on the church from the inside that says, you know, evil's going to win out, uh, sin is going to win out, the devil's going to win out. And that guy standing on the street corner that looks like, you know, he just you know, sniff a couple too many mushrooms in his life and sit there holding a, holding a sign that says the end of the earth is coming. But I'm here to tell you that the end of earth is never coming because the earth belongs to the Lord and the fullness thereof. And so it says, no, 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 because it says right here that the heavens will pass away. And pass away is just a nice way of saying dying. But passing away does not mean the cessation to exist. Pass away means change. And he knows that when you pass away, you don't cease to exist. You change. You change. If you're a believer, you change from this life into the life of glory in the presence of God. If you're not a believer, you change from this life into a life of eternal punishment away from God. But you do not cease to exist. So nowhere in the Bible does pass away or death means stop, cessation to exist. So this earth will not stop. The heavens will not stop. Evil cannot be so personified that it gets so victorious that it stops anything. Because evil didn't start this thing and evil can't stop it. So the heavens will never be stopped, but they will be changed. And the night, as he comes as a thief of the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. How many knows when something changes, there's a noise? Oh, I wish I could preach this. <laughs> Just, how many knows when you got, I didn't say whenever you said that prayer or whenever you, you thought you'd get ready. How many knows that when you really changed from spiritual death into spiritual life, there was some noise, there was some changes being made. So anyway, the Bible says that, that the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements would melt with fervent heat. The elements, boy, I, I like this word. I got stuck on this word because the Bible says the elements will melt with fervent heat. The word element there, when you begin to, to study this out, the word elements there is a, is, a, is a word which means the principles of this world. The word element is a word used in the Greek to mean something that is orderly or in arrangement. The elements. The elements is something that is in order. It's the principle of the thing. It's, it's what is in, in, in order. 
And in this particular case right here, it refers to the principles of this world. And so, matter of fact, let's just take a few minutes. Um, let's go to Galatians. Let me teach you something. Go to Galatians chapter number 4. And in Galatians chapter number 4 and verse number 3, it says, But when the fullness of time has come. Well, let's go to verse number 3. Uh, Galatians 4 and verse 3. Even so we, when we were children and we were in bondage, we were under the elements of this world. When you were in bondage, you were under the elements or the principles or the order of this world. Whatever the world told you to do, that's what you did. How the world told you to feel, that's how you felt. You were attached to whatever goes on in this world. But how many knows that you're no longer under this world, you're now under the kingdom of God, which means you're no longer under the elements or the principles of this world. You're now under the order of another kingdom, and it's not the kingdom of this world, it's the kingdom of God. There's only two kingdoms, the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. And so when the Bible talks about it, let's go back to Second Peter chapter number 3 and verse 10, and it says, And the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Well, he's not talking about the principles of the kingdom of heaven, so he must be talking about the principles of the kingdom of this world. What is the kingdom or the principles of the kingdom of this world? Well, it's sinful nature. It's diseases. It's germs. It's spirits that cause men to corrupt themselves. It's things that men has made that must be destroyed before the earth can be purified or can be loosed from its present state of bondage and of corruption. Anything that is not under the canopy of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God must be destroyed to make way for a perfect eternal state for the righteousness of God. And so when God says this new heaven and this new earth, he says at the end of this thousand years, at the end of this day, the, the, the day of the Lord is going to end. And then the Bible says that the heavens will change with a great noise and the elements will melt. The things, the sin, the sinful nature, and the spirits that cause men to be, be, be tempted and fall into to different things that they fall into, the Bible says will melt with a fervent heat. Now here's something else we got to watch when we study the Bible. Is this word melt. This word melt here is a word luo, L-U-O. It's a Greek word for luo. And the reason why I looked that up is because there's two different Greek words here for the word melt. This one here is luo. Luo means to be loosed, to be unbound, to be untied, or to be set free. And so this re renovation, if you will, this changing of this earth and the heavens, which is the, this second heavenly realm here, where the enemy is the prince of the power of the air. The Bible says it's going to be changed. How's it going to be changed? Well, we're going to be loose. We're going to be unbound. We're going to be untied. We're going to be set free from the curse that started when the devil went in and deceived Adam and Eve. We're going to be free. Hallelujah. 
That don't sound like an earth that's going to stop from existence and everything that is vile and everything that is disgusting and everything that is liberal-minded is going to win out. This sounds like to me that God has a plan and God has a purpose and God says that when the time comes, I'm going to put a stop to everything and by the melting or the loosening that this earth is going to be set free from any power that the enemy has. The liberals will not win. Self-humanistic mindsets will not win. The ways of man will not win. Satanism will not win. Wicked will not win. Islam will not win. Buddhism will not win. The agnostic, the, 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 the people who don't believe there is a God will not win. God will win. And so we have to understand that as a church. We have to understand that as body of believers. But I love this word, loose. Loose. I mean, loose. See, we think that this word fervent heat here means to melt. We're going to show you that in a second. But first thing he does is he looses us and he sets this earth free. That now it becomes the kingdom of our God and the kingdom of his people the way he designed it. And there's nothing attached to it at all. It has been set free. It's the same word that in Matthew 21 and 2, that when Jesus talked to the apostles, Whenever he was coming in for that triumphant entry into Jerusalem, he said, I want you to go ahead, and when you get there, I want you to go down the street, take a right, when you get to the stoplight, turn left, go past the handy mark. When you go down past the Walmart, you're going to see a house over there. When you get over there, there's going to be a colt in the backyard. Come on, we know the story. He says, when you get to him, tell the owner to loose him and let him go because the Messiah has a purpose for him. That's the same word there. It's the same word, luo, it means to be loose, to be loose. That was real good, but the other one here is what I found in John 1.27. Because in John 1.27, John, the Baptist, was down there baptizing in the River Jordan. And he's baptizing in the River Jordan, and he's telling everybody that there's one coming after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to loose. I'm not worthy to loose. And so it's the same word, luo, which means to be set free. He says, and so I understand the connotation of what it means to lose someone's sandals because it literally means as a servant, I'm not even worthy to be the lowliest servant, the one who would take Jesus' sandals off. And I understand the, 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 the attraction to that and what that means. But there's a deeper understanding. And I want to throw in a plug here for my people who are praying about being water baptized because being baptized is a public confession of what happens to you inwardly. And so what John the Baptist, and here's what the Holy Ghost told me. Anybody ever had the Holy Ghost talk to you? It's glorious, man, when it happens. I mean, it's just, it's just good stuff. And so whenever the Holy, I was studying this out, and the Holy Spirit showed me this. And he says what John was really believing and what he knew. He says, I'm not worthy to loose just Messiah. In other words, I'm not worthy to loose him and set him free so he can do everything that the Father has sent him to do. See, he was 30 years old, but God sent him here. The Bible says that he was sent here to defeat the works of the enemy. And John the Baptist says, I'm not worthy to loose him because as soon as he came up out of that water, the Spirit of God came upon him and he was loose 
to raise the sick. He was loose to raise the dead. He was loose to heal the blind. He was loose to set the demons, demonics free. He was loose to do these things. And God began to speak to me. And I began to pray concerning that baptism. He says, get up there and tell the people to get ready to publicly be loose. Because I understand that you might have got saved in a car. You might have got saved in the shower. You might have got saved in a church. You might have got saved in a room. And you can do that by yourself. But there's something about making a public confession. And when you do it, God will loose you. And when he loose you, you can do all the things that the curse of this world has held you down from doing. See, for 30 years, there's all kinds of stuff that Jesus could have done. But it wasn't his time. He wasn't loosed. He wasn't set free. Church, you need to listen to me. There's coming a mountain to the people of God. This isn't the time to sit. Look, getting saved gets you ready for heaven. But God's getting ready to sit somebody on fire. There's getting ready to be the fire of God to come down on people. And it's going to melt you. Melt you how? It's going to loose you. And it's going to set you free. It's going to release you of bondages that grandma couldn't shake. That grandpa couldn't shake. That your cousin couldn't shake. There's a mountain coming to the house of God that's going to melt you and set you free. What's he talking about? Hang around here. You'll get it. He says, I'm not worthy. Can you imagine? He says, I'm not worthy to be the one that pronounces, behold, the Lamb of God, which will take away the sins of all the world. Loose him and let him go. God used him. Get ready, church, to loose some people. Come on, you know some one mores that need to be loose from addictions, that need to be loose from some mentalities, that need to be loose from, I can't, you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough, it'll never happen, but you're going to sit there, it might be on a job, it might be in a school, it might be in a parking lot, or bless God, it might be in a church house, that you say, oh God, I can't believe you're using me to set these people free from whatever it is, from the elements elements, the principles of this world is coming a mountain. The literal mountain is going to happen. This is literal. But you have to understand everything that God's going to do, he's doing right now for the church. Hmm? See, Jesus already came and he reversed the curse. You have power in Jesus' name right now to break every element that the world is trying to attach himself to. Every sinful disease, it's not yours. Don't keep it. Give it back to the kingdom which it come from. And it's not heaven. Give it back to the kingdom of this world. Live a set free life because you are born again. God has, Jesus has set us free. Amen? We've been loosed. I'll get back to that in a second. And it says, and the heavens will pass away with a great noise. And the elements will melt, will be loosed with a fervent heat. Both the earth, that means the ground. That means the ground. That means he'll purify this ground. He'll purify. Everything that's been tainted, everything that is not pure and holy unto God is going to be consumed. And the works, the works. What's the works? The works of men. There's people spending their life right now 
They're spending everything they have. They're completely denying God and not paying Him any mind right now. And all those works they're doing and trying to build up for the things of this world, in a moment, in just a second, is going to be melted into power in the presence of Almighty God. The earth and the works. If the works is not glorifying God, it don't matter. It's going to be melted away. And so the Bible says that. And so now we see here in verse 11, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved. Again, dissolved is not death. It doesn't mean it's going to stop. Dissolved means what? It's going to be changed. It's the same word used up here for passed away. Therefore, since all these things are going to be changed, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? <laughs> in other words, if this whole world is going to be changed from wickedness to glorification just by the presence of Almighty God, what kind of person do you think you ought to be? Huh? That's what it says. You ought to be a holy conduct and godliness. It should matter how you respond. It should matter how you react. It should matter what goes into your temple. And it should matter what goes out of your temple. But always remember, if it's not in your temple, it can't come out of your temple. Well, what's my temple? How's it get there? Through the gates. What's my gates? Your eye gate, your ear gate, your mouth gate. Three gates. Don't allow it to go in there. Don't allow it to go in there. What kind of conduct must we have? The kind of conduct that glorifies God. So that's what he says in verse 12, verse 11. Now verse 12. So what should we do? We should be looking for and speeding up, hastening the coming of the day of God. The day of God. The day of God. The day of God. We just went from the day of the Lord to the day of God. What's the day of God? The day of the Lord precedes the day of God. The day of the Lord is all the judgment, is everything that gets the world ready for the day of God. That when God sets his throne, which is up in glory, comes down and connects itself to this planet. And now we live and rule and reign with him forever and ever and ever and ever. No more sorrow, no more pain, every tear wiped from the eyes, no more COVID, no more addictions, no more anything. Because God has called everything to be completely set free from this world. Then look what it says. Looking for and hasten to come in the day of God. That's the day of God. Because of which the heavens will dissolve, the heavens will be changed. Being on fire and the elements, the principles of this world, will melt. This word melt here is different than luo. This word right here, melt, is tico. Because the word tico here means to be destroyed by melting. See, the first thing he tells us is that everything that is detestable, everything that is sinful, everything that is evil in this world, first of all, is going to lose its power upon this planet. And then the second melting is going to completely consume it so there won't even be in existence that evil ever resided right here on this planet. I don't know about you, but it don't sound like the other side is winning at all. Oh, they're acting like they're winning. We act like they're winning. But we got to grab a hold of this Bible and realize it doesn't matter. See, we got to live a life. We got to live a life as if the present will not be the pattern of the future. 
That there is a pattern for the future, and it's not the pattern. Just because they think this is where it's going to be, it will not. Because we know the end of the story. And the end of the story is that in God's presence will melt away the elements and the principles of this world. And God's kingdom will rule and reign forever and ever. Can you imagine if that's how the church walked around? Can you imagine that's how you got up every morning? Saying, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what's coming. I'm not going to be deterred by what's coming against me because I will not live my life according to the pattern of the present. I'm going to live my life according to the pattern of the future because I know what the future holds. God rules and God reigns and he will live forevermore. Why? Because fire. See, you got to understand that there was another judgment that came upon this earth. You know what it was? It was Noah. And the earth was consumed by a flood. And the earth was different after the flood than it was before the flood. When God's judgment came and, and dealt with everybody. He says, I will never do that again with water, but I will do it with fire. Why would he do it with fire? Because fire does two things. Fire purifies and fire consumes. Amen? Church, get ready. Get ready to be touched by the fire. Some of us already been touched by the fire, and you didn't even know it. Well, I just thought that that warm, fuzzy feeling inside of me was just me being happy. Oh, it is being happy, but it's the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is the fire of God, because the fire of God will consume you. Amen? It will purify you. How many know that sometimes we need a fire of God because we need purifying? We have faults in our minds that we need to fire God to purify our minds. we got things we've done in the past that the devil keeps bringing in our, back in our future and our present. But the fire of God comes down and he completely consumes it because God is an all-consuming fire. Because he knows just like a diamond, which is a beautiful stone. It's a beautiful stone that is found in the innermost parts of the earth. And when you pull it out, it's full of deposits. It's full of minerals. There's things on it. And you can't even tell that on on the inside, out of all that corruption, on the inside of it is a very expensive, precious stone. So what they do with it, they take it to a furnace, they take it to a foundry, and they stick it in there, and they stick it to the fire. And what does the fire do? It burns off all the impurities. It burns off everything that is holding back that stone. And what everybody else thought was a big glog of nothing, God says, oh no, there's something on the inside of that, and God sends the fire. God is getting ready to send the fire to the earth today. What the world thinks is a great big nothing on the outside, but on the inside is something precious that God has chosen. It's a fire. He melts and it loses. Why has it got to be consumed? Because we need to be changed. The world comes to purify, it comes to loose, and it comes to change. It comes to consume. Hey, man, sometimes we need to be consumed by the fire of God. You know what the difference is? That which is put in the fire. Well, you throw a bunch of old dried leaves into a big old furnace, it'll go to nothing. You put a, a fine, precious stone that needs the impurities burn off, then all the impurities will be burned off. That's how, we, that's how we are with the children of God. We just come to him and say, God, I just need you to be a consuming fire in my life. He will consume what needs to be consumed, and he will purify what needs to be purified. Because God is all-consuming fire. You mean he can do that? <laughs> He's already proven he can because he did. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Just make the hair stand from backing up. You just say their names. They're just three bad dudes, right? 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were thrown into a furnace, a fiery furnace. And while they're in there, people who threw him in there was consumed, but they weren't touched at all. Not even their clothes was touched. God can move in such a power. He can move in a service like this. He can purify one while he consumes the other because God is an all-consuming God. He can do whatever he wants to, whenever he wants to, however he wants to. I got better news for you. He can move on a church down here that wants everything that God wants and not even move on a church down there that say, no, thank you. We've had enough. Thank you very much. All we have to do, the difference is that which is subject to God. But you better get ready because God spoke to me this week and says I'm sending the fire to loose the churches and so they can be used for a mighty instrument for the things of God and all we're going to be able to say how do you know it's the presence of God because you're not boastful you're not haughty <laughs> even while you're working in the presence of almighty God you're saying I'm not worthy how many is ready for God to move in your life in such a powerful way that all you can do is say, God, I'm not worthy. Oh, come on, church. I'm tired of boastful church. I'm tired of people seeing what they can do and how they can do and everything about. He's look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. One of the spirits that will not inherit the kingdom of heaven is a spirit of boasting. Everything about social media, everything about what we do is about, look at me. Look what I got. Look what I did. Look how I look now. Look how much weight I lost. Look at the job I've got. Look at my children. Look at this. Look at that. Boast, 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 boast. You got a problem with that? We're just celebrating. Don't have a problem with you celebrating, but we don't know when to stop and start boasting. Because whenever we start boasting, we're saying, look what I did. Get ready, church. Get ready, world. To say, look what God did. Look what God did. Because I'm not worthy of this job. I'm not worthy for my children to be this on fire for God. I'm not worthy to love my spouse as much as I love them. I'm not worthy to get up every day and the cancer was supposed to take me out. They can't even find it anymore. I'm not worthy. But God did it because God is an all-consuming fire. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look what I did. Look where I went. Look how I stood strong. Now get ready to be like the true John the Baptist and say, I'm not even worthy to be loosed in such a matter. But because God has need of that coat, because God had need of that man, get ready. He has need of you as well. I'm just here to tell you that the world's lying. This is not time for the church to hang their head and say, well, I don't know what we're going to do. It's just between the pandemic and, and between liberal mindsets and socialistic thinking and, and just, just self-humanism and just everything that's going to work. You know, they want to shut, is the church even going to be here and, and, and what's going to happen? Let me tell you something. Quit living your life towards the patterns of the day and start living your life to what God says. We're the winners. We're the winners. The atheist is not the winner. The agnostic is not the winner. 
the one who doesn't serve, the, 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 the coexists with every other religion and puts Christianity on the same level as everything else is not the winner. Buzz, every bit of that stuff is going to melt away in the presence of Almighty God. And the only thing that's going to remain is Jesus Christ himself. We're going to win. We're going to win. We hope you enjoyed this sermon from our weekend experience. If you want to partner with us as we see lives changed and God's kingdom advanced, you can donate by texting any amount to 84321 or visiting our website, highestpraisechurch.com. If you want to connect with our local church and stay up to date with events, you can fill out a digital connect card, which is also on our website. We'll see you soon.